the 4 o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company. hours here. All right. Over under six wins, Seahawks, following up on what Chuck Powell, KJR, was just talking about. I love the discussion of he doesn't know if the GM and the coach are on the same page. You can't be serious. This cannot be happening. Well, I mean, I think it could without, you know, you don't have to have an agreement that you're going to try to lose the game. The GM could just put it in place where, hey, you're not going to be able to win with the roster I give you. Right. So try all you want. Right. Go ahead. It's not going to well, happen. So I think my guess would be that Pete Carroll is on board with knowing that they're not going to be good, but it, you know he's got to put out, he's got to put up the front for his players. Hey, we want to win this year. Yeah, that, I, I that's so. that said. One thing that that Chuck was saying about whatever scout was watching Kenneth Walker, this is going to sound weird. And I know this is right up your alley. You got to bench him. They don't want to win, so I. That's why I believe. Whoever's pulling the strings, Geno Smith should not be playing. You have you play Drew Locke to decide if he's got anything. Geno stinks. Like Geno does guarantee you about a four and thirteen season. But it is really interesting with Kenneth Walker. Like, would you actually treat him? He was a second round pick, running back out of Michigan State. I think he's awesome. I think it was a great pick. Would you actually treat him like a young prospect pitcher? You know, and have him on a on a carry count because Pete Carroll's a lunatic. He'll he'll like. He'll run him 450 times. He will if he thinks it'll help him win, but that's not how he usually treats running backs. He usually does give actually like, a lot well, of guys the ball. I feel like they really haven't had the opportunity to split up carries. It's just it's happened because everyone's been injured. Sure. They haven't that's, had a, they really haven't had a healthy running back. That's true. And they you know. It's a weird deal, man. They and and then Chuck kind of threw gas on the fire because then he's saying he doesn't really know if Bryce Young and Ch- and um I always want to call him Chase McCord. CJ McCord are the guaranteed guys, which that, that is actually a very good conversation too. Like, what are you tanking for if you don't have a guaranteed guy, a guaranteed guy or two at the top of the draft to pick in the top seven? Well, that's I've I've often said like that's when you actually tank more. When like you don't know, like you want to have as much assets as much capital as you can, not knowing so you can have mobility, you can move around if you want to, you can trade. It's even more important to have a higher pick to make that decision. You also you also have no control of this draft. And what the hell is going to happen? Because multiple teams the last couple of years have lined up for this draft. Yeah, like there were teams in this last draft that had multiple picks and they got out. They the were like, yeah, we, for next year, yeah, right." I, I mean, I to me that's where the Eagles. The Eagles are going to they're going to give their guy a run. Is it going to work? Well, they're deciding. And right, look, I, I think for the most part there is like we've seen with running backs, like there is something to getting just getting quarterback every three three or four years. Get the next guy. Build on a rookie deal. We've seen what we've seen what teams do. Wait, you did you can, mention a team that's done that? Has anyone done that consistently? Like I'm every four te- years? I'm saying teams should start doing it like they've done with running backs. That's pretty bold. Of course it is. No one has the balls to do it. No, but that's why you out. see these ridiculous deals where you get, you know. Although, hey, Mayfield kind of did it to himself, but the Browns were not going to give Mayfield a, like a five year deal. That was not going to happen, and some giant bonus. 
Yeah, I don't think. And and if you so it didn't work out the way that I said, but I did say the Browns were going to be the one that did it. That was my prediction. He made it easy for him. He right. and the injury last right. year. It it didn't work out to where they like I thought they'd get to this point. They'd have a situation where it's time to pay Baker, and they said, "No, we're not going to do it. We're going to move on and get another guy in a rookie deal." That didn't happen. They actually went and got a guy for a ton of ton of money, but they did get a top three quarterback in my mind. So, like that's what you do. You pick a. You either have a massive, massively good quarterback that you pay, or you get a quarterback in a rookie deal. That's how you make it. That's how you get to the Super Bowl. Yep. And it's been proven year and year now. It's okay. like we're not seeing any any change to that. So on Seattle, they could tank, win five games, and not have any control of their destiny in terms of the draft spot because the Eagles, the Giants could both look for quarterbacks. Hell, the football team commanders, they could be looking for one. A, a, a team that's actually good, That weren't they the number one seed in the AFC last year? We all kind of forget about it. But the Titans, after this year, might, who knows? It could be a disaster. And they're like, all right, enough for Ryan Tannehill. There's, there could be eight teams looking for top ten picks for quarterbacks next year. Sure, and, and there so also craziness. there also could be when I see the speculation the Giants could just wait for Garoppolo. Dable was with Garoppolo in New England, like that's possible. Um, there's a lot of teams that yes could potentially be in the market. You don't really know, but the Seahawks having two first round picks next year will be helpful to try to at least move around if they want to. So we're going to get more in-depth on Raiders camp today in about 10 minutes with Miles Simmons, and then again a lot in the 5 o'clock hour. I was out at UNLV football camp. I think today was practice number nine. It's still a three-headed race at quarterback. Um, I'll have to post some more videos of guys throwing a little bit this morning. That was kind of interesting. You know, they're trying to replace a guy at over 1,400 yards from scrimmage at running back, and I, I don't discount what Charles Williams did for them, even on a team that only won two games. His influence and production was ridiculous. So... They went late into the offseason without really having that big transfer name because you assume, hey, they're going to go to the transfer market. They're going to get a running back who's going to come in and potentially be the the one or the, you know, the 1A, 1B. So Aiden Robbins was the guy they grabbed, and he's a big back. He's 6'3", 230, didn't really get a lot of run at Louisville, but was a highly recruited guy. Uh, we had a chance to talk to uh, Robbins today, and he started off the conversation talking about uh, – why in the end he decided to come to Vegas. UNLV checked all the boxes for me. You know, I graduated in three years at the University of Louisville. Um, I came here, they have a very good uh, Master of Arts program. And not to mention, you know, the best coaching staff in the nation, Coach Holes, Coach Boone, Coach Royo, top class facilities here, great city, great market. And so it, it just checked all the boxes for me. Not to mention, I got family here. Who, what, what family here? Uh, well, my uncle moved to about 30 years ago and he's been here ever since. So I got a couple cousins here as well. So when you came on your visit, I saw you out at Allegiant. Mm-hmm. You, know, you were deciding then, or maybe yeah. you had right before that. Was that your mom with you? Who was with you? Yeah, that was my mother. She knows Vegas, I guess, right? Because you have relatives <laughs> here. So what was her impression? You know, my my mom knows I'm a grown man. I know how to handle myself well. And, you know, she loves Vegas. You know, my mom likes nice things. So she saw a lot of nice things here. <laughs> was very pleased with the coaches and the family atmosphere that, you know, they allow us with here. And, um, you know, it's just she was pleased with it. She was like, okay, I... I think this would be a good spot for you. So in your mind, going back to Louisville, like what was the thought process? You know, you're not getting playing time. You just didn't think you were going to play there, so it was time to move on? No, nah, it wasn't necessarily that. I mean, not only was I a graduate there, but it just wasn't necessarily the right offensive scheme for me. And, you know, it just it just wasn't the right fit for me. So I decided to, you know, go somewhere else. And your thoughts on, on just the culture here in Vegas, the culture here at UNLV? 
It's good, man. We got a very hardworking team. We got a hungry team. You know, EDTC, that's what, that's what um, we go by every day. And so we just come out, you know, work hard every day. It's supposed to be hard to make the games easier. So that's what we do. What is EDTC? EDTC stands for Effort, Discipline, Toughness, and uh, Commitment. Mm -hmm. I must got you. Nah, I, got it. I, I know it. I know it. He hesitated. He looked at me. He's like, "You're a jackass. How dare you question me on EDTC?" Thought it was a techno music festival. Um, I heard him chanting it the other day, and I was like, "I don't, I don't know what's going on." So I'm gonna, I'm gonna make the the young man tell me what EDTC is. is better or worse than the old? The old staff was GATA. Yeah, I like that one. Okay. I just don't know which one's better. You gotta rank them. Remind me of Gata. I think it was get after that. Get after that arse. Yeah. Something like that. Okay. Uh, smart kid. Graduated in the ACC from Louisville in three years. Coming out of high school, Aiden Robbins offered by Yale and Harvard. How about that? Right up your alley. One great school, one awful one? Not really. Uh, offered by Purdue. Visited Mizzou, BYU, CSU. Uh, offered by several other Power Five. So highly touted kid. Just didn't get a chance. Um, love the fact that he graduated. That's freaking awesome because I'll, I'll use this term, but it's not really the case because he's, I'm sure he's going to work hard on his post-grad, but you know, kind of a free roll here for a couple of years. And, um, Hey, size wise, I thought he'd definitely be in the mix, you know, to be the power running back, but I think he actually has a chance to be out there as a full-time player along with Courtney Reese. The mix of those two guys is crazy. Five, eight, one sixty-five, six three. 230. Here's Marcus Arroyo talking about Robbins and, uh, you know, just learning the system because you got to learn really quickly and there are a lot of responsibilities at running back. He's learned it fast and now you're starting to really see where he can be dynamic. Um, he's got power, he's got speed, he can catch the ball in the backfield obviously and he's got some more than adequate long speed too, and so that's impressive. But he's a big body that's got an all-purpose, all all-down type of mentality, which is good. Uh, one of the company members, John Von Tobel, was on the scene. He was asking Arroyo about hey, you got these different size backs um, you know, when you're looking at Blocking, I mean, as a running back, you got to be able to block. So how do you mix these guys? Pass protection is something that is really a learned, a learned, a learned uh, skill. You know, and when you leave, when you go from high school um, or you haven't done in the past, um, it's a big deal. And, and you've got to be able to use your traits, use your skill set to be able to put yourself in position for certain pressures at this level that are a big place. Each guy's going to have his own tools. You know, Courtney, uh, Courtney's got his own tools. Aiden's got his own tools. Chad's got own tools in regards to how he can get his job done. But there's a big emphasis of it. Last week has been a big deal with linebacker, running back, one-on-one -on -one protections. So you're seeing that uh, in some of the practice we've got. But that's a, that's a big form of what we do offensively. One of Adam Hill's favorite topics. When people are like, why isn't this running back playing? Can't pass block. Yep. And you called it on uh, Clyde edwards Elaire, at least in year one with the Chiefs. You're like, if he can't block, he ain't going to be on the field. No. And they're, they're not going to risk Pat Mahomes just because there's a dynamic running back. They're not going to ri risk Mahomes getting his head ripped off. It, and it's the first thing I thought about, actually, uh, when we just had Chuck Powell on talking about Kenneth Walker's crushing it in camp. How's his pass blocking? Yeah. Well, in their case, maybe they don't care. Maybe it's go ahead, don't block, get the guy sacked, turn over a couple times. Right. That'll be good for the team because they're trying to tank. But, yeah, for a team that's trying to win, uh, it doesn't matter how good of a running back you are. You could, you could, you, it sounds ridiculous. You could be Barry Sanders. You're not seeing the field. You got to protect the quarterback, man. There's a balance. You got to take care of the ball. You got to make some explosive plays. You got to be able to catch the ball out of the backfield. But all of that goes with blocking. When you're really, I mean, you're part of the play, but you're not the main guy. So um, both Courtney Reese, who's 5'8", 165, and Sammy Green, I think, is like 5'7", 180. 
those guys are going to be playmakers, but they got to be able to block. And then you've got Robbins, who's the big guy, and then two, they're big, but compared to Robbins, they're medium-sized guys. Chad Maguire has been with the program now, I think, four or five years. He was a Sanchez recruit. He's 6'2", about 215, so he's big. Uh, Javon Wilson, an Oregon transfer from last year, he's around 6'1", you know, 220. So they got a real interesting five-headed mix here, and uh, I have a feeling someone's going to grab the job and get a lot of the carries, but that pass blocking and pass receiving is going to be big. And you mentioned, I mean, Chad Maguire now, I think you're 14 in the program, so he he, know, you know, he knows what's expected. He's going to be able to bring those guys along. Yeah, Roy, I referenced him today as Steady Eddie. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. I think that all starts really just with the way the head coach sees the football team, the way Pat Graham sees the football team, and us teaching football as opposed to teaching positions. Guys need to be able to know where all 11 guys are. In every coverage, you need to know where your help is. You need to know the strengths and the weaknesses of every coverage. So, you know, that's a challenge for me to get it across to the players, and that's a challenge for them to go ahead and understand it and learn it. Cofield and Company NFL insider Miles Simmons from Pro Football Talk joins us now. So let me get the title right. Coach Simmons is the passing game defense. What? Secondary coach slash defensive passing game coordinator. Defensive passing game coordinator. Yeah. There's like all new coaching titles now. Miles Simmons is with us. Pro Football Talk. Miles, how you doing, buddy? Uh, very good. No relation to uh, the Simmons you just mentioned before. I was going right for it. I just uh, figured every Simmons was related. Yeah, that's okay. And we don't all look alike either, Steve. <laughs> oh, whoa. That's, that, that actually is fascinating. Do a search for athlete cofields. Yeah. That's 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 a path. None look like we, we Yeah, we all don't look alike either. Was uh was Jason Simmons in Carolina when you were also in Carolina? That would have been confusing. He was. Yes, my little. Well, it really wasn't. I mean, I was there for what six months, so it's not like. And it was the pandemic, so it's not like we were really doing things in person. So. Sure. So today's been an interesting day in Vegas. I'm sure you saw it. Marshawn Lynch got popped for a suspected driving under the influence. Yeah, uh, what a mugshot. A little huh? bit. Yeah, the mugshot. <laughs> the mugshot's pretty crazy. His eyes are basically closed. So of course we're going to get the you know the Vegas nonsense. Hey, it's our fault. This is what happens in Las Vegas, which. Uh, which drives me completely batty. It should, Steve. I mean, that, that stuff happens everywhere, right? Like, that's not Vegas's fault. You know, I mean, you can get, you can get popped for a DUI in, in any number of different places. And I, I, frankly, I don't think that, you know, players are any more susceptible to getting one in, in Las Vegas than they are in any other place. And also, Marshall Lynch is not an active NFL player either. So, no. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. So let's put that aside, right? A former okay. Raiders player, not directly, you know, uh, connected to the Raiders. I was saying to uh, Adam at the beginning of the show, an hour and ten minutes ago, I was like, because uh, I was bringing up the the Pat situation with some drama there with the coaches and and Mac Jones and then Kareem Hunt, and we'll get to Roquan Smith here in a couple minutes. And I'm like, hey, the Raiders camp has been pretty drama free. Free, and the entire time I was saying that, Adam was like raising his eyebrows, like something like something was going on. Maybe we'll hit on that. Uh, one of the things that is happening is their right tackle situation. And is Brandon Parker on IR? Is he going on IR? What's the injury? This was the story leading into the season, and it's quickly becoming a bigger story with the offensive line. Like, who is going to fortify this thing in front of Derek Carr? 
well, I mean, it's got to be Leatherwood, right? <laughs> Is there any other option? You know, I mean, like that's, and it's not, you know, this regime, but obviously uh, that's what he was drafted to do is to be the right tackle and to book in uh, the other side with Colton Miller on the other. So, I mean, like if it's not Leatherwood, I mean, I'm not there every day, Adam, like who is it going to be? Well, I would, I would guess it's either Leatherwood or somebody not yet on the roster. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, and there are a couple of uh, offensive tackles that are still available and, you know, the Jets are looking into signing one of them whose name is escaping me right now uh, because Becton is going to be out, it looks like, for the season. So, like, if you're, if he's not on the roster, then he needs to get there pretty quick. Otherwise, it, it pretty much better be Leatherwood. Yeah, I'd make a call about Tevin Jenkins. Sounds like he might be available in Chicago, and I thought there was a lot of potential coming out of the draft. We'll see uh, who eventually emerges. Maybe the Raiders have other chips they can trade besides draft picks. You don't seem to believe every time I tweet that Josh Jacobs is not getting traded. Well, it's not that like you're tweeting it. It's you're tweeting that McDaniels is saying it. And, <laughs> like, I understand that McDaniels is saying it. But, no, I do not believe him because, I, because he was playing a bunch of snaps in the Hall of Fame game. And nobody who – like, I've never seen a consequential player play in the Hall of Fame game in my life. All right? And I've been doing this, covering the league – for now, it's going to be my ninth season. And that's not forever, but it's long enough to understand that when you are putting a player out there who you think is anybody of consequence in the Hall of Fame game, that player is available. Okay. And so Josh McDaniels can go on the podium all he wants, but the simple fact that he put Josh Jacobs out there signals to me that they are open for business when it comes to Josh Jacobs. And the other thing that signals that is that they didn't pick up the fifth year option. And I wouldn't have done it either on a running back. And that one that, you know, was played the way that Josh Jacobs has played and also knowing the way Josh McDaniels uses running backs. So like all of those things add up to me. To, you know, like, yeah, you can say whatever you want. And, like, that's fine that he can say that in press conferences. Uh, you know, coaches, GMs, front office types, whatever you want to call them, they all lie in press conferences. It doesn't really bother me. It bothers Mike Florio. If you look at the pro football talk <laughs> timeline right now, you can see that. But, like, it, it is what it is, you know? So, yeah, I mean, maybe they will trade Josh Jacobs. Maybe they won't. But, like, if I'm a GM and I think my team is on the cusp and I may or may not need a running back, that can kind of power, you know, through some things. And I, yeah, I, I might give the Raiders a call about Jacobs. So here, here's the potentially the flip side is okay. that Josh Jacobs really doesn't make much uh, in his last year, the fourth year of the deal. It's right. not like he's getting, you know, 10, $15 million a year right now. And I don't think you're going to get a third round pick for him. Maybe no, not. what fifth, sixth, but, if he plays the season, sign somewhere else. And, you lose a couple more guys in free agency, then all of a sudden maybe you're looking at like a third or fourth round compensatory pick. Mm, I mean, I don't think you're going to get that for Jacobs. I, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, in, that would then mean that you're not getting that pick until what, 2024 instead of 2023. So I, I see your argument for sure. But, you know, if you can get a fourth rounder or maybe even a fifth rounder, you know, for next season, then you already know that you have that asset as opposed to relying on the compensatory pick formula. Could he be part of a package? And I don't, I'm not suggesting that this is going to happen. I'm just leading to the next question, but could he be part of a package for Roquan Smith? Oh, well, I mean, if the Raiders feel like they want another linebacker, right. You know, another off a good 
uh, player who has requested a trade out of Chicago. And that, this is an interesting situation because, I mean, Roquan Smith right now is on the physically unable to perform list. Um, so I, he's not really practicing anyway, but obviously, you know, when he releases a statement uh, today, and he's somebody that represents himself. And so now they're at this contract impasse with the Bears, you got Ryan Poles coming out there, and he's saying that he's disappointed that things have gotten to this point, but he hopes that uh, the situation can be rectified in some way and that they can move forward with Roquan Smith. I mean, I don't know exactly what the Bears are doing because they're in a situation where they could have not necessarily like gone with a full rebuild given that they already have Justin Fields. I, but like, I don't feel really good about their skill position players. I don't feel great about their offensive line. And like their defense, I don't necessarily feel all that great about either, especially if Roquan Smith isn't there. So they're in a situation where it's like, golly, man, like I don't, I don't know how good of a situation that is. So if I'm Roquan Smith, yeah, I, I probably want to get out. But if I'm Ryan Poles, I don't know if I really want to trade somebody who can be potentially an elite defensive player. This is for both of you guys. Miles first. It was interesting. Earlier today, Chris Canty, who played in the NFL, he's doing the uh, the mid-morning show on ESPN National, he was flipping out about the Bears not giving Roquan Smith a new deal, saying, you know, what kind of message does that send? Is the message one that most of the league agrees with, that you just don't pay linebackers big money? Well, I think, A, the message is that we didn't draft you and we didn't develop you. And, I, you know, I, I have a lot of respect for Chris Canty, but – Whenever a new regime comes in, there's always going to be some element of that. That we, you know, if we didn't draft you and we didn't develop you, eh, you know, maybe we can move on. I mean, it's the same kind of thing that they could deal with with Justin Fields. You know, who's to say that Justin Fields is really going to be the quarterback of the future there if he goes out there and sucks up the room this year? I, I don't know. I mean, Poles didn't draft him. Iberflus didn't draft him. So there's a lot that's questioned there, you know, and I. It's not that I would say uh, Roquan Smith doesn't fit a scheme. I mean, I've been impressed with Roquan Smith since he was playing at Georgia. And if I had a defense, I would absolutely want him to be on it. But I'm not a general manager and I'm not building a team. So I don't know. I, I understand it. And it goes to a conversation I've had starting with running backs. And I think it's something that has to be looked at closely and not something we can get to the bottom of on this show because it would take a lot more time and a lot more of a deep dive. But I think something has to be done about the salary cap in terms of uh, and salary cap and salary structure in terms of some of these positions. Running backs get absolutely screwed. It's completely unfair what happens to running backs. And I think linebackers yeah. are starting to get into that same category, at least off-ball linebackers or you know non-outside pass-rushing linebackers. Like There are certain positions where you just don't get rewarded in the way that you should for being the best of the best of your position. And something needs to be figured out at some point because this it's kind of ridiculous that we're getting to this this spot of certain positions just don't get paid. And I don't think that's right. Yeah, I agree with you, Adam. I mean, it's not fair for running backs and safeties, and now it's starting to happen to uh, to linebackers, as you were just saying, right? I mean, it's, those positions are kind of devalued, whereas you know you get guys who are really good edge rushers or really good interior rushers. If your name is Aaron Donald, and those positions are clearly the premium positions, at least on defense, and a really, really good cornerback. That's something that you need, it seems like, in order to win a championship. You know, So you have those kind of anchor points there. And then on offense, obviously, you've got the quarterback, and then your elite wide receivers of the world are getting paid. And frankly, guys who aren't even elite wide receivers are getting paid a ton of money at this point because they're the premium positions. Running backs, and I mean, you know, if we're going to look at it like this, you know, it, 
you got to look at kind of the head coach that's there in uh, Las Vegas, right? With the way that Josh McDaniels uses running backs for matchup specific game plans. Um, that's part of why the running back position doesn't get valued as highly. And a lot of these guys that are get to second contracts, Todd Gurley, right? He gets hurt and then it's basically all over for him. Christian McCaffrey, he hasn't really done anything since he signed that big contract in 2020. And, you know, that's because he's been hurt. It's hard for those guys who get knocked around to continue to produce at that level where they earned the second contract from. So it's not... And I don't necessarily think that that's right. You know, you say, oh my gosh, well, we got to pay them less money now because it's that, like, no, I don't think that that's right either because they're still going out there and they're still, you know, sacrificing their bodies for uh, the their teams and yeah. stuff like that. And they're, they're important positions. We don't have time to get into my side note story, but Ari Wright, uh, Aaron Rodgers acid on the tease board. Uh, Aaron, <laughs> Aaron Rodgers, whatever he's doing, ayahuasca, whatever he's talking about doing on the podcast, He's not going to get punished for it under the substance abuse policy for the NFL. Is that right? Uh, apparently it is. I mean, I, I was looking at Matt LaFleur's press conference yesterday, and it said he said it wasn't something that he gave any thought to. So <laughs> I guess they're lucky for that. But, I mean, look, Iowa may give you clarity, but it's not like it's going to make your performance better. I mean, you know, Florio joked yesterday that, like, oh, yeah, the guys are trying to make their weight clauses. That's why they take Iowa because it makes them throw up. I, I would never want to do that because, frankly, I hate vomiting or, like, expelling things from my body in any way. So, I mean, good for him if that's, you know, what makes him find some peace. I'm not touching that. Uh, <laughs> I, just, I just wanted to jump in, though, not to not to go down the whole weed path. But, like, you know, Josh Gordon could be looking at this going, like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Well, Wait, you have to they, leave yeah, the country to yeah. use this drug? And, uh, you know, I've been in out of suspension for freaking weed? Yes, I know. It's ridiculous. That, that, and I'm glad that the NFL has you know, changed its policies yeah. on that because it's ridiculous. Uh, the refs are going to focus on illegal contact. Uh, Wonderful. If, if there's one thing we need more, it's flags. Yeah. Oh, it my God. I hate that. I really do hate that because that means we're going to see you know, just this ridiculous increase in illegal contact penalties. And what exactly are defensive backs supposed to do? You know, I mean, the, the rules already favor the passing game so much. And I feel like I'm like old man yelling at the cloud right now. But like th there can be jamming, you know, like let's just not be so ticky tack that if we get to seven yards, it's oh, my gosh, we got to throw the hanky now. Like, come on. Like, we don't need to do that. We really don't need to do that. I know you're not much of a better, but we're just betting overs every game, right? Uh, probably, yeah, at least for the first few weeks until they decide, like, what, what was it last year that it was like, yeah, they're focusing on that, and then, like, after the first few weeks, it's like, actually, stop doing that. <laughs> yeah. Was it holding calls last no, year? Was I don't it celebration? What it was. I thought it was celebration it might, stuff. I don't know what it was, but every year it's something, and then, you know, the first few weeks, it's like, golly, why are there so many stupid flags for this? And then eventually they tail off, and we're like, yeah, because the league was probably like, okay, guys, don't actually do that anymore. Miles, have a great week. You too, guys. Take care. Football time. Woo. There he is. <laughs> Miles Simmons. Not all Simmons are created equally. Nor are Cofields. Or they look or they don't look like. Yes. I don't look anything like Barry Cofield. Sure. At all. Former defensive tackle from Northwestern. Giants. Former Redskins. Slightly he's slightly taller than you, I think. Uh yeah, actually I might be heavier than him now. Okay. He was uh, I think he was six three, three twenty five. Okay. Yeah. Pretty big. Different build. Uh three six four eleven hundred.
Caller 7, two tickets, IFL Championship game that's right here in town in Henderson at the DLC. Grab your tickets for this awesome football event at AXS.com. It's coming up on Saturday. Yeah, that's right, August 13th. AXS.com, two tickets, IFL Championship game, Northern Arizona against Quad City. It's a 5 o'clock start. If you haven't had a chance to see the DLC, it's a good opportunity. Some pretty high-quality football. Two tickets right now, 364-1100, Caller 7. Finley Toyota. They'll do anything to sell you a car. No Toyota problem is too tough, too large, or too small. Keep your Toyota running like a Toyota. One owns a meat slicer, the other an air fryer. It's the Fat Pack on Cofield and Company. C'è la luna mezzo mare, mamma mia, we got to talk some TikTok. In about uh, eight minutes, we're going to talk to Sammy P., our gambling insider, about the TikTok tickification. How do you say it? Of uh, sports gambling, potentially. With Jake Paul. Okay, what's... <laughs> I feel like... Do you ever, you ever wake up some days and you see some of the stuff going on with sports gambling, and you're like, what are we doing? Why are we even doing this anymore? Oh, I have a lot on the Jake Paul betting. Thing, it's a so. freaking treasure trove, sports gambling, and uh, we're like we're sitting here arguing about Roquan Smith. It's a freaking point. Well, and I've been, Jake I've, Paul's getting into sports gambling. We'll see. Fascinated by it. I've been. I've. I've actually sat on hours and hours and hours of panels at CES the last couple of years about this. Oh wow! So um, I'm. I'm pretty good. Uh, you know, I've been dying to get on TikTok, uh, but I'm not very good on IG, so I don't think I have any content. I see some radio guys in San Diego. They put up like, you know, close-up shots of them doing like two minutes of radio, and I'm sure. like, who wants to see that on TikTok? Nobody. I mean, I eat a lot. I don't cook a lot. I could take lots of pictures of food. Can I go up to restaurant owners and be like, you know what? I've got seven followers. I just started TikTok, but I'm really famous. I'm not. And go chop some stuff up and show how you cook it, and I'll make a video out of it. Think- I don't know where to get started. I'm sure the answer is yes, but there's the local girl that ate 10 pounds of noodles on TikTok the other day. I saw that. I've been yeah, to that place. Good. I don't want 10 pounds of noodles. It's a good place, but I'm not eating 10 pounds of noodles. They're that. delicious. Try to film that. How'd she do? Crushed it. She did it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is another topic for another day. Uh, this this goes back to my whole live discussion a couple of weeks ago. My dream is that Liv buys out the Shea Brothers and buys MLE and IFOCE and brings the eating world together because most people only know Chestnut and the guys who frankly, are not equipped to compete with him. There's women and men who can compete with Chestnut. At, maybe not hot dogs, but lots of other stuff, and they're just shut out. A lot of women. There's a lot of unbelievable women winners, and I'm not saying Mickey Sudo will get smoked by, like, Miley Schuyler, who's won the wing bowl. All right, we're getting way too deep. I'm, I've got to calm down. Settle down. Yeah. But live money would solve that. That would be that, that actually would be the league. Could they make money on it? No, probably not. Yeah, they can't make money. No. Not when you not when you're you're paying 10 times a normal salary. Yeah, live I mean live golf's not going to make money. Uh back to TikTok, is there a market for uh destroying people at a sport when they're not equipped at all to compete with you? It like I I see a lot of kids getting rejected and dunked on, which I I I laugh every time. What about if you were to just destroy your mom at something? Okay. Uh, your mom's like early sixties. Um, my mom's pushing 80. So I, I, it'd be a little risky if I'm like trying to cross her over or like post her up, spin elbow to the head, you know, dunk on a six foot rim. Cause that's probably about as high as I can get. 
It, it might be funny, but it would be mean. Well, I think you can go funny because we're, we saw it happen with Royce what? O'Neal. You have a story on the, along these lines? Oh, yeah. Okay. Just so happened to. Right. Funny. Uh, Royce O'Neal, there's a video of, for some reason, his mom trying to cover him as he backs down toward the basket. And it looks like it's just going to be a fun little silly video. It's like 6'7", isn't he? Yeah. He's a pretty big guy. But he's backing her down, and it looks like, oh, they're having fun together. This is great. And then he pump fakes and spins to which she falls forward on her face. Oh, no. He just juked her out of her shoes. And she's, <laughs> she's just laying there. Looks like she's unconscious. She's not. She's yeah. okay. But she looks like she's laying unconscious as he just spins to the rim and gets the bucket. I've seen a lot of good unconscious videos. I hope they're all safe. I saw a guy uh, the other day on TikTok on one of those slippy things, you know, with the hose. And the, the guy was, he's he's running, but he's losing his footing. He falls and he slams his head. His head bounces on the, on the, on the slippy slide? thing in the grass. Sure. Out cold. Well, <laughs> did you- we kid, gotta send this to Rob Deerdeck. The kid didn't get knocked out. I think you, he's dead. Did you see the video I posted today? It just no. made me laugh over and over again. Of? It's uh it's at a I was gonna use the the name of the place. It's a teppanyaki place. Hmm. Okay. And he's sitting there and his face is just so excited to get the shrimp tossed to him. You know the moment. We were like, oh, the shrimp's coming. Freaking nerve-wracking. And his face is just lit up. Yeah. Eyes are wide, his mouth, he just got the mouth wide open. Like, let's go, let's yeah. go. And the the toss is a little low. So he goes down to try to get oh. it and just smacks his head on the plate and it just rings. It's like a oh, really? <laughs> like it reverberates through the whole place. Well, that's a lot better than uh going forward and falling forward and slamming your face on the freaking hot grill. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betty with Sammy P. Sammy P. All right, let's do it. Sam Petiatovich is up with Cofield and Company here on a Tuesday. Sam, how you doing, buddy? Getting ready to bet against Garrett Cole tonight. Life is good, my friend. Yankees, Mariners, that's a 10-10 Eastern, 7-10 Pacific. We got a good bet on Seattle, a good-sized bet. I don't know if it's a good bet yet. Nice. Uh, I took two dogs today. I took uh, your favorite team, the Twins against the Dodgers. Uh, Joe Ryan Urias, uh, Twins about 195, and uh, what was the other one I thought was crazy? I'll find it. I'll remember at some point. I can't remember right now. But uh, Just bet fi- against the White Sox. Just bet against the White Sox. Yeah, and I, saw, I saw Tim Anderson's down now. Um, what has been the reaction in Boston to Chris Sale falling off a bike? Um, good question. I wasn't expecting this, so let me punt. <laughs> um let me start I, I by just, saying I just, I just wonder from Boston sports fans who expect to win. The guy's making north of thirty million dollars, and he, he's a lunatic. You like that he competes, and I'm not saying he went into like a rage and fell off a bike, but it's just like everything the guy did this year turned into bad luck, and he barely pitched. They extended him, I believe, in 2020 for a lot of money. Like he's going to make. By the end of the year, he'll have made $30 million. Next year is $27.5. The year after that is $27.5. I mean, they paid this guy hundreds of millions of dollars. And the reaction today, the fallout today, is basically that it's one of the worst signings in Boston sports. Now, <laughs> when they made the trade, Chris Sale was a linchpin on that World Series team in 2018. Yeah. But they did extend him, essentially re-sign him in 2020. And I want to say he started, without looking this up, in the last three calendar years, he's made 11 starts, making the money that we just talked about. So that's a problem. And this town doesn't want you to get hurt. This town is not about you, you know, 
having boo-boos and owies here and there, especially when they're under your control. I mean, he had injuries in Chicago. I remember one time he hurt his hand, and they said that he tripped and fell, and then mm-hmm. the report came out that he punched a brick wall. Right. So this guy is a hothead, and he has a history of being a hothead, especially when he cut up those jerseys uh, in Chicago. So I, I got to cover him a lot as a player. He was, He's a hothead. Yeah. Yeah. Uh- Maybe the worst deal Boston ever. Well, they have a bunch. Carl Crawford was a terrible one. David Price, who's still making, uh, you know, finishing off a seven-year, two hundred seventeen million dollars deal, is is pretty amazing. By the way, I bet uh, the other uh, big underdog I bet was Cincinnati today against the Mets, which is uh, getting in front of the train badly. But they were like plus two thirty. So we have an interesting story we wanted to open with today, and it has to do with the explosion of sports gambling. And Adam was reading the story about Jake Paul. Can you explain this to the audience and Sam about micro betting? Yeah, he's investing in micro betting. It's called he's calling it the TikTokification of the sports betting world. And he's got a lot of really high level investors in terms of names, uh, big sports names around uh, the sports world who are investing in this. And listen, it's the future. There's zero question about it. Uh, I told you earlier before uh, Sam was on. I've sat through hours and hours and hours of panels at CES about this the last five, six, seven times I've gone. This is the future. But as far as I know, Sam, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, we're still not there technologically because we don't have live streams of events. And that's what it's going to require for this to work. That's the biggest holdup, the data feed and the, you know, play-by-play ability to bet on things like, will the next pitch be a ball or a strike? Will this batter get a hit or not? I mean, that's what micro bets are. They are, and micro by definition is individual, not whole picture. So it happens real time. Um, You know, will the next play be a double play? Will the batter get a hit, single or double? But the process of getting the ability to successfully book these bets without getting drilled by you know delays or people that have the access to bet this stuff at stadiums because if you're at a stadium and you know guy comes up adam hill walks up to the plate uh no no count uh runner at second and technically you're there and you're ahead of the sports book feed so if you're able to be on your phone and bet home run before the sports book can you know process the bet i think that's the biggest holdup. um i also don't know i mean jake paul made the quote today he said They were paying me millions to promote their sports books for my fights. They need the influencers. Now it's our turn to take over from the dinosaurs. My thing is this. Jake Paul has 70 million followers uh, followers across social media. Mm. How many of them are going to follow him to a sports book and bet like year over year? I get if they deposit 50 bucks, 100 bucks, but does he really think he's that cool where he can convert all these people into – lifelong sports betters is he that arrogant and that dense well the answer is yes uh but <laughs> but also and Easy. i don't mean yes they're gonna follow i mean yes he's that arrogant and dense uh but i mean i do i, I do think this is going to happen and it's going to be the incorporation of cable systems and you know satellite and networks and their own betting services that are going to be able to bet through your tv with one push of the remote control that's all going to happen and that what is the future and i get him thinking that he can be a part of that and invest in that it's just it's not there yet and like he just thinks hey they need me to promote their business i'm going to run my own business of that that's a complete lack of understanding of what the business is and there's a difference for jake paul because it's one thing if 
Sportsbook X, Y, or Z wants to give him a million dollars, and he says they were paying me millions. We don't know how much it is because sure. we don't see his tax returns. I'm going to guess, though, you know, sportsbooks have given this guy a million or two million dollars to sponsor whatever. But now he is giving money or he is helping raise money. He's no longer getting the money. It sounds like he's investing the money and he doesn't really know anything about sports betting. So, you know, I don't know that his specific company is going to work at this very point in time. And the company is called Better, B-E-T-R. You can look this up. I guess they funded $50 million in this round with a couple of companies and additional investors, as you mentioned, Richard Sherman, Des Bryant and all that, a rapper, Travis Scott. So cool. I understand all that, but I don't know that they're going to take over the micro betting market anytime soon. I agree with you. You know, when I was at VEASAN in 2018 and I had one of our uh, one of our technology experts on and I said, look, I envision a world where one day we're watching Sunday Ticket or we're watching Red Zone or we're watching whatever the, the local game on CBS that weekend. As I envision a world where we have our smart TV and our smart remote and we can literally have a button on the screen or on the remote that allows us to bet the game we're watching. And he said, that's the dream. That's the dream for the NFL, NBA, National Hockey League, Major League Baseball. But the biggest issue is that if they don't get the technology right, it will cost them millions and millions of dollars because people will just pick them off that gets they get access to the information before the sports book does. NFL win totals. You gave us a good case for the Giants being better than seven wins. I always like to bet a truly sucky team, according to perception. Give me the sucky team I should be bullish on. Texans, Falcons, Jets, Seahawks, Panthers. I'm very down on my Jets right now. I'm not happy with Mackay Becton, poor guy. Uh, 400 pounds and uh, hurt his knee again. Who's the sucky team to go over with? I hate all those teams. Can I pick a different <laughs> sucky team? <laughs> Can I make a yeah. case? Can I make a case for the Panthers, even though no, the number is six mine. and a half? If uh, if Mayfield wins the job, McCaffrey has to stay healthy because I don't like the division outside of the Bucks. Like I, I don't like the Saints, man. I like their defense, but I don't like Dennis Allen. Sorry, man. I don't like Jameis Winston. Falcons are kind of an unknown right now. Any shot the Panthers go seven and ten, eight and nine? I'm on the Saints over seven and a half. It's Ooh. funny you say you don't like Dennis Allen. You know Dennis Allen in the regular season is four and oh against tom brady in tampa right it's the only guy who has not lost to tom brady really really good defensive coordinator yeah awesome now look pete carmichael the offensive coordinator i I wrote this up the other day you know they get a lot back and and Jameis, you know before Jameis tore his acl he was really dominating he had 14 touchdowns three interceptions and that's without a lot of guys that weren't healthy. Michael Thomas didn't play last year. Alvin Kamara was banged up. If you reinsert Jameis behind a good offensive line with all of these weapons, Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry, Alvin Kamara, Mark Ingram, and the rookie Chris Olave out of Ohio State, that team was 5-2 and two last year when they found out Jameis was done for the season. So I'm higher on the Saints than the Panthers. I'm sorry. sorry. I'm not going there. But I do like if I can go with another stinky team, Got like, I 40, like 45 seconds. Go ahead and do it. Like the Lions, man. I, I think that offensive line is a top three line in football. They built on the other side with Hutchinson. They've got good receivers. As long as Jared Goff doesn't throw 50 interceptions, they're going to have a chance to win some football games. Not go far, but win seven games. That's it. Sam, you're the man. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. The only program I can't talk Josh Allen, but I could talk <laughs> Jake Paul. I love it. There you go. Band. Band. 
banned on the show. But, what? By the way, bet it now because Hard Knocks is starting, so everybody's going to bet the Lions over. Yeah, what the frig? You send over stories today. You are off, my friend. Well, I said it. You in, are not on your game. I said it last time I was here. I don't think we did it. Well, today's the day. Well, we've you never, never watched me yet. We'll you watch just, it tonight. You, you just did. Yeah, we'll watch it tonight. You're in tomorrow, aren't you? Oh, boy. Well, I said earlier in the show, I only oh, have one show I'm boy. watching, and it starts tonight. Oh, boy. I'm warning you right now, uh, right now, folks. Post-Hard Knocks episode, when Adam and I are both on, is a nightmare. And especially me, because I've said it a million times, I love football environment.